very good morning to you today. We're going back to the two mother and baby home. There's going to be a protest tomorrow in Dublin. We're looking at that. Rural Ireland is under attack, fearing for their safety following robberies as well there today. We're going to the Galway City Ring Road quite extensively today uh, following yesterday's High Court decision on that. Refer back to Umbor Planola. Don't believe everything you're reading on social media about this, by the way. It's not a done deal just yet. We're also going to the Innovation Exchange. It goes west and uh, some good news coming from Galway. Galway Gardaí seek your assistance and much more between now and 12 midday, including your comments. Do stay with us. It's Tuesday. Good morning to you. Now, very good morning to you if you do want to get in contact with us and thank you to the team in Rationale Windows 086 38 33 55 3 and that's 086 38 33 55 3 with thanks to the team uh, in Rationale Windows. Now, there's going to be a protest in Dublin uh, tomorrow because redress legislation for mother and baby home survivors is expected to go before the House of the Oireachtas uh, tomorrow. Uh, Breda Murphy joins us on the line because it's the final hurdle when it comes to the redress legislation and not everybody is being included in this. And those that have been included in this redress scheme, they're going tomorrow to Dublin to protest to show their solidarity for those that have been ignored. Breda joins me on the line today. Breda, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a summary of it there, isn't it? A good summary indeed. Um, 24,000 by the government's own admission are excluded from redress. The government acknowledged that they spent time in a mother and baby home, but they say that they do not qualify. And if you remember having a conversation with Anne Rabbit at one stage, we were both on on the phone to you at the time, and she explained that she herself felt uncomfortable about the fact that children under six months who spent under six months in a mother and baby home or indeed a county home that um, they would be excluded and she felt uncomfortable herself about that so she was going to speak to the minister on it. Now the reality is that nothing has changed so any child uh, or mother indeed who was in the mother and baby home for um, less than 180 days is excluded from redress. So they get no apology, no acknowledgement of the trauma, no opportunity for redress, no enhanced medical card, or indeed any support at all from government. And you will know yourself, because yourself and other radio stations have actually sent people to me, both from Ireland and in the UK, who are excluded from redress, who were born in a mother and baby home, who were subjected to vaccine trials, who now find out... Uh, various pieces of information and are deeply distressed to realise and have written to the government to say we are excluded, please explain why. But of course, Minister O'Gorman writes back, he never explains why, and one of the best supporters that we've had in Dáil Éireann is our own Catherine Connolly, who has asked the Minister directly, are you saying to me that as a mother... The first six months that I bonded with my child is totally irrelevant to my child's development and um, my own, you know, as a mother, her own uh, bonding with the child as well. Are you ignoring that completely? And that seems to be what's happening for those 24,000 people excluded. But, Brida, effectively, if we don't, let's let's not kind of beat her on the bush here. They're being abandoned um, because they, they see this loophole of 180 days. 
Um, but that doesn't make it right. I mean, one day was one day too many if they were there 24 hours, if it can be proven. And I mean, the information that we have and the historical records that we have um, could also be flawed in this regard because maybe they were there for more than 181 days or 180 days. They could have been there for 181 days and then they would qualify. So, I mean, what are we talking about financially per person roughly? Well, um, it depends, Keith. Most of our people, anybody who was in the mother and baby home for four and a half years or five years or seven years, they can qualify for amounts up to um, 7,000, 4,500. 40,000 for a child um, who would be maybe four and a half years there. But for a child um, who, for a mother who was in the home for Six months, they would for more than six months they would qualify for five thousand, and um, for less than six months they don't qualify for the enhanced medical card. Anybody who is subjected to vaccine trials, any child who was boarded out, is completely ignored in all of this as well. Um, it's not it, it, the government are looking at it purely in financial terms. Absolutely, there's eight hundred million left aside for this. But they're also now scared because there are 60 cases listed against the redress scheme. One of them is at an advanced stage. It is now at the order of discovery. It will be heard this year. And so the test cases that were taken on the Commission's report, there were eight listed. The government went with one or two and settled all of them, meaning that the High Court then said that the Commission's report uh, was flawed that it did not give ample opportunity to the survivors. So, in other words, the Commission's report should not have been the basis for the redress scheme, which it is. The government accepted the Commission's report despite commissioning its own um, Oak Consulting to do a report from the survivors' perspective. That they submitted, and yet the government ignored it. And I suppose time and again what we see is a wastage of money, public money. The government just all the time delay things by saying, well, we will get an independent report on this. They will then look at the independent report and throw it in the bin. So uh, it's just the exclusion of so many people. Our members largely qualify. Many who were in June are elderly. They were there between 1925 and 1961. Many of them spent up to four and a half years. That tended to be the time they were boarded out. So for the first four and a half years, they will be acknowledged by state. The boarding out is completely irrelevant in their lives, is what the state is telling us. Although the state was responsible up to the age of 16 for each child that was boarded out, and some in a horrific uh, situation. Okay, well let's come back though to the 24,000 people, and tomorrow there's going to be a protest. You you said there's there's 800 million in the pot for this one. I mean, the quick Pudsey Ryan maths that I've done here, if you take the minimum payment of 5,000 for the 24 4,000 people, you're looking at 120 million. That leaves 680 million to be dispersed amongst the rest of the people that deserve to get what they're getting. Now, so you take you take all of that, and like this is another scandal. And then there, if you if you put another committee together, another inquiry, you're looking at another five, ten, fifteen million euro um, that should just be used in the redress scheme. So I mean. Another inquiry, Keith, would take up to 10 years. The Ombudsman has explained that with regard to boarded out children, you could adopt adopt into the scheme. The other big uh, fly in the ointment in all of this, and that many people are ignoring, is the fact that religious orders, 
made monies on... Uh, uh, we know that children were sold. We know that children were adopted overseas. We know they were trafficked. We have the evidence. And our own Michael Byrne, who was adopted from born in Tume, adopted to the United States, his family kept the most incredible records that show that money's changed hands. So the religious orders are off the hook, it appears, on this. Vaccine trials, the children and our own uh, TD from the West, uh, Deputy Dennis Nocton, have said this time and again. The children were used, he said it in the whole era, as lab rats, yeah. as guinea pigs. Yeah. And yes, the uh, GlaxoSmithKline have said we will open our records, but they have not stepped up to the place to provide any any monies. Okay. So I think that's where the problem is, that the state go cap in hand to, to uh, those two institutions and ask. I would say that we have the resources within state to actually challenge and to take legal cases against the institutions that made money on the backs of young and uh, mothers, some of whom, some of the mothers who gave birth were only 12 or 13 years of age giving birth. They are ignored by much of what happened. And so there are children who try as well to reconnect in later life. They find issues and problems, and we have no access to records. So there are so many... Uh, I suppose things wrong with all of this. It's not merely the 24,000 excluded. There are many more excluded on vaccine trials, on the boarded out situation, on the fact that their adoptions were um, illegal, many, and that they were, they were not audited by the state. So basically a child was handed over on the basis that the family they were given to were a Catholic family. And many, many times we have heard, and the government have it in their confidential memo of the Commission of Investigation report, they have the evidence of that. They have the testimonial evidence. And so what it says to survivors who were adopted or to the 24,000 excluded is that we do not believe you. And I know the people of Ireland believe them. I know that the government is not representing the people of Ireland when they say that to the many excluded. We won't solve it today. Take me through briefly tomorrow then. I mean, I started out by saying that there's 24,000 have been left out and, and abandoned in that regard. Um, but there is a, going to be a protest tomorrow and those that are being are going through the redress scheme as it stands and are, are eligible to apply to the redress scheme, they're going to be there to support the others. Yeah, anybody who wishes to support Keith, uh, we are going up to be in the gallery tomorrow um, because we'd always said that it is difficult for anybody to vote against us. I really feel that, um, you know, and, and having a presence there and talking to particularly members of government who will vote against us. Um, to say to them, look, can you explain, just explain to me why you're excluding so many and yeah. why you're voting with the government. We have asked that the party whip is not um, ruled in this case and that people can vote with conscience because if they were voting with conscience, we would know who's on our side and who is not. But it will go through, sadly. The legislation is very likely to go through. People generally vote with the party whip and the government have the numbers. But the, I've told Minister O'Gorman, 
this will hang over him indefinitely. He is not somebody who doesn't understand. He has been told by Human Rights Watch. He's told by the United Nations. He's been told by the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Everybody, literally every report they've commissioned, including interdepartmental reports, their own reports, has told them what they are doing is wrong. We won't solve it today. No, we won't. What, What time is that protest tomorrow? Well, we're going up there for two o'clock and it will be heard if people want to watch the all airing in the evening from four o'clock onwards. They're passing through three bills. Our one will probably be up, I'd say, at around uh, five, six. And then they will vote through on these three bills and you will see the voting. Um, all, all will likely pass, as I said, but that will just lead to judicial reviews with 60 cases already to clog up our court system. It is appalling what is happening, Keith, but it's how the government operates and they shouldn't be allowed. All right, uh, Breda, keep up the uh, good work that you're doing. Breda Murphy there, uh, Pierre Oaf, the Jew Mother of Baby Home Alliance, uh, joining us on the programme. Your thoughts and comments, please, to the comment line 086 38 with thanks to Rational Windows and also 091-77-0077. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Now, yet to come to the programme, we speak with Breda Fox, who's just retired as the head of Leo in Galway. And also, we'll be going to the Outer Ring Road, City Ring Road, uh, just after the 10 o'clock news. We have some news coming in following that court decision yesterday. And um, overnight, we've been pulling it apart and looking at it. And I think we've got a, a, a definitive answer to some of the questions that have been posed to us uh, today. So stay tuned for that uh, to come uh, between now and 12 midday. There's a lovely story coming out of the GTC Global Technology Centre as well today, an event taking place in Mayo, uh, the West Region, so stay tuned for that and more to come. First off, though, when you get a press release saying rural Ireland under attack, fearing for their safety following robberies, kind of say to yourself, hold on a second, what is going on here? But it is true, and we still have the dark winter nights, and we still have the dark winter mornings, and uh, maybe law will change tomorrow, the 1st of Feb. Uh, but let me go to Deputy Sean Canney, who joins you on the line. Sean, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Uh, a strong, um, a very strong statement coming in from you um, this morning, so it is. And um, when you say rural Ireland is under attack, um, you're an independent TD, and you've stated that people in rural Ireland uh, are living in fear for their safety and that of their families as they continue to experience the fact that houses in rural areas are being robbed and farmers and homeowners are fearful for their family's safety and that of their stock and property. In 2023, we shouldn't have to be living like that. Well, I suppose um, we shouldn't be. Uh, and there's lots of things going on that, that shouldn't be going on. But definitely, uh, I've seen it over the last uh, 12 months where we've had um, a number of robberies going on in rural areas. And the cheek by which people go in and, and, and go into a house and rob it. And they seem to have it well organized because they're in and out before anybody knows it. And we have had it uh, all around the place um, uh, where where even on main roads, where a car pulls in or a van pulls in, it drives around the back of the house, they know it's empty, they're in, they ransack the house, they're out again, they take whatever they get and they're gone. And uh, this seems to be happening as a regular occurrence every so often. We have community alerts in place, we have uh, communities are, are, are trying their best but I do believe that there's a, a, a serious lack of a presence of the Gardaí on the ground um, 
because the important thing here is that we need to have prevention rather than trying to be investigating the crimes afterwards. And I suppose maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned, but I remember the time when the Garda in the area, when he was there, knew everybody in it and he could rather tell you where you were last night and what time you were home. And he, he wasn't out at all, but he had that sense of uh, understanding and knowledge, local knowledge. And that seems to be something that is uh, is, is, is a miss at the moment. And it is. I, it, it is, is, is and it isn't, Sean, because the local knowledge that the Guard had all those years ago, but they now have, lo- the, the criminals now have local la- um, knowledge because they know who's out to work, what time. They're being tipped off by somebody in the locality without... I, I say that with, with knowledge because we know what happened in around the Turlock Moor area a few years ago. So they're being tipped, well, they're being tipped, they're being tipped yeah. off and that's not fair because to be honest, if the person comes back and their house is ransacked and it's robbed, it has changed their lives forever. Absolutely. And I've come across people whose houses have been robbed and the sense of um, homelessness in their house, the fact that their house has been desecrated they feel that they're even a stranger in their own house now and it takes a huge amount of time to actually get over such an event and it's 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 something that it's very hard to describe but one man described it to me he thought he thought he was a man that could take on anything and he thought he was fearful of how his wife would react and he said at the end of the day it just got into him and into his mind that what had happened in his house and he's still not able to get it out of his mind. And it's also very upsetting. And that's probably 18 months after the event. So the, the legacy that it's not just something that's been robbed or been ransacked. It's the fact that a total stranger has invaded your house, has ransacked your house, has gone through the house uh, top to bottom, attic, bedrooms, kitchens, everything, and leaves, we're leaving you a mess. And you wonder, you know, um, Okay, there, there, there probably is some some local knowledge, and there's also uh, um, uh, a, a way that people have now with technology. They know when people are away, and advice I would give to people if they're going on holidays or if they're going away for the weekend: do not put it up on social media. Do not tell people what you're at, and um, make sure that you have, if you're going away for a weekend or going away for a week, that you have somebody will check your house that will have lights on and will show a presence around the place while you're gone. And the same thing that happens with farmers where um, stock are being worried where people are coming out to their land, uh, um, supposedly with dogs hunting or training dogs, and they come onto the land and they show such aggression when they're asked to leave the land. And I think it's very important, again, that we actually do not contone condone this kind of activity. I think it's a major issue and I, farming organisations have been out to me about it as well as farmers but I think there's an attitude there that some people are above the law and when people seemingly believe that they can get away with anything and I think that's where we need to have a, a, a better presence on the ground uh, in our in our towns especially and also out the country areas where the patrol car is seen on a regular basis and that the uh, guardie can see something that's that's actually something that's going wrong or something that's strange uh, and the community as well should be able should be in a position to alert the guardie and the community alerts are there 
but I believe there need to be more interaction with the guards and the community alert systems that we have as mm. well. I also think that the courts have a role in all of this and I know that the prisons in the country are chock-a-block with people but I think if Johnny or, or Mary or whoever's in the van with them or the car with them or whatever they're, they're in, if, if they were confronted and if they were caught and they are brought to court um, they shouldn't get bail for a stuff and be out on bail to do more robberies and then they should get a hefty sentence and it might send and open up the army barracks, open up some flipping where take them out for a while. I mean the Guardian Dublin know these people and they've targeted those and they know they're coming down the country and they know that they're using fast Audi cars and they know that they're uh, coming west and they're doing what they're doing and then they're getting back into their cars and going back to Dublin but these people should just be locked up so the courts have a role in this as well well, uh, the other thing, I, I believe that uh, if somebody is caught uh, robbing and if they're on social welfare, the social welfare needs to be stopped straight away. And that is where, uh, as well, I think it would be a, a big effect in that it would actually mean that there would be these uh, criminals would be hurt in their pocket. And I think that is that, that is something that needs to be considered. We have uh, revolving doors going in and out of the courts, the Gardaí do their job, they bring them into court and then they're at the mercy of the judge what they're going to do with them and oftentimes they're back out in the streets, they're probably out quicker than out of the courthouse quicker than the guards can get out off again and I think that is sending the wrong message both to our good citizens who are trying to protect their families and their properties and also to the criminals who say hey, sure it's only a day out, we keep going with it free legal aid should not be available to these people uh, we shouldn't be using taxpayers money to fund them, defend themselves when we know that they're 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 uh, they're, they're committing crimes. So I think we have to have a stronger edge on what we're doing. But also, I do believe that uh, as communities, we have been uh, coming together using the community alert. But I think there should be more use made of that, um, and and the text alert system should be more active. And the guardi are in charge of that, and I think they should be more active in dealing in 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 advising people on what to do right throughout the year and uh, I think it's important that that's done on a very regular mm. basis as well because go, go communities are, are spending money trying to protect their communities and they need that support as well. But going back to social welfare, I mean the do-gooders will be out now in their hundreds of the way if we, uh, with a statement like this, but I mean if they're, if they're found guilty of robbing somebody's home or business, it should be cut off. I mean and how can somebody on social welfare have a top of the range Audi car unless they've stolen it from somebody else? And going up and down, and I don't mean, I'm not picking an Audi, but they're high-powered cars that the Gardaí can't keep up with, with the cars that they have, that they're using to make quick getaways. The Gardaí know some of these people, they know what they're up to, but just take them off the streets. Absolutely, and I think that we have to make examples of people, and we have to, it has to be done in a way that the message goes out loud and clear that this is not going to be tolerated that the law will not tolerate it, the courts will not tolerate it, and definitely the public are getting fed up of it. My fear is that people will start doing things that uh, trying to protect their own uh, properties. They're doing uh, it already, that would lead to, to instance. And I think that that's, that is a concern as well. So I think it's high time that the uh, that more resources were put into the local guard. They have them out on the beach, have them out on the street, have them out on the roads, rather than uh, making sure that, the, that, that their job is to keep the computers right and the database right and all that kind of thing. Let's see them out there mixing. On the, and I think they want to do it, but they're being held back a bit on the basis that they, their job uh, title and the way they detect crimes are changing. But I think 
what we're missing missing out on is we need to prevent the crimes and it will have less detection than to be done. All right, Sean, thank you for joining us today. If you agree or disagree, you can text us straight away, please, to 086 uh, 3833 553. That's 086 3833 553 uh, from there. By the way, yesterday morning, just after, uh, excuse me, after nine o'clock, we had a piece with Marina um, Fiddler from Madra. Uh, it, the, the, one, the 9 o'clock hour yesterday was downloaded quite a number of times by people listening to that. I know some people were very upset listening to it and couldn't believe what they were hearing and they weren't sticking their head in the sand at all. Uh, but they got a good response, I'm told, Madra. And I'm also told that they're working on something in the background and they'll come back to us on it in relation to what we spoke about yesterday, the cruelty to animals and the pups that had to be put down and uh, the dogs that are missing, the mother the mother dogs that are missing indeed and perhaps locked up in some grim um, shed or otherwise. And I do know that uh, the IFA and members of the IFA have taken yesterday's conversation quite seriously and uh, they're going to talk to their members as well. So I think all in all, we can only hope that things will be positive uh, moving into the future. 9.37, good morning to you on this Tuesday morning. Galway Tolls, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. Very good morning to you after 12.2 years. My next guest is retired as a very effective Chief Executive of the Local Enterprise Office. And uh, Breda Fox is opposite me this morning. Breda, good morning to you. How are you? I'm very well, Keith. How are you? 12.2. I'm going to have been very precise on this one. Yes, 12.2 yes. years. You you loved the job. Uh, you were there 12 years. It's I know. A yeah, long it was time a, to give honest to. to God, the best job ever. I absolutely loved it. It was the longest I was ever in any role, really, really? throughout my career, yeah. Um, you get such a buzz out of it in terms of dealing with the clients, helping them, enabling them and just seeing them grow and achieve and move on. Mm. Like in that time, I think 60 of the businesses moved on to Enterprise Ireland. You know, wow. almost 60, which is a lot, you know. Which is a lot. But yeah. I mean, I suppose the local enterprise office, I mean, and I'm not simplifying it, but if somebody is a germ of an idea, you were there, there was no cost involved, you went in, you helped them, you told them whether it was a dead duck that, you know, they're inventing the next plane that's going to fly to the moon or otherwise. You were honest with people all the way along. Tried to be, yeah. And like my whole ethos and hopefully it's something I've left behind. I have a very strong team built up now over the years. So I'm leaving it in a in a good place in terms of the skills and the business skills that are in the group. But a key thing to me was to move the client along. So you either had the conversation with them that maybe there wasn't a business in the business, yeah. um, but you'd get them to come to that conclusion themselves. You're not telling somebody their baby is ugly. You know, you're kind of, <laughs> you know, you're kind of getting them to come to that conclusion themselves. Yeah. And usually, in my case, it, it came back to numbers. I suppose I always fell back on the numbers. So, you know, how much do you need, Taryn? And you know, is it really feasible? Is there somebody else doing that? Have you looked at who's doing it in the market? What differentiates you? Why will people come to you, you know? Mm. But you've had, I'll talk about success in a minute, but I mean, dealing with people because everybody thinks their own idea is the best thing. And sometimes it just, and that's where Mary and the crew in the Porter Shed are good at this as well. Sometimes you, you might be better off to say day one, I'm sorry, but this I don't think will fly. Yeah, you can't really say that either, though. Can you, you have not? to? No, I wouldn't. Do you have to I go would, the journey with them. I would. I would kind of get them to come to that conclusion themselves. Would be my approach. Okay. It's just 
because that way there's more ownership of it. Because you don't want somebody going out the door thinking, oh, well, they just don't get it. So, like, they have to believe it themselves, yeah. you know, in terms of moving on. And, you know, an awful lot of the people we would have put through the Start Your Own Business program, you know, a lot of them mightn't start the business, but, you know, that's as good a result as somebody who does, to be honest. Mm. Because you don't want them going down a road, investing their time, uh, money, resources, um, you know, into something that isn't going to be sustainable or viable. And, like, in the majority of cases, you can assist people. Like, most of the work we do is, you know, advisory supports, mentoring mm. supports. Like, if I just looked at some of the figures um, before I finished up. And since we started as a Leo, now that's just since 2014, um, five and a half thousand people have been at training programs. You know, wow. uh, over 4,000 people have received mentoring. And what's interesting about that figure is it's almost evenly split between male and female, which is good. Wow. So we've done over 1,100 trading online vouchers. Like that's an investment of two and a half million in online mm. commerce platforms. An awful lot of that was done in the last few years because of COVID. Um, so if you look at the investments that the Leo would have made in businesses, it's 6.2 million in terms of capital employment and marketing and business development grants. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And those projects, you know, over the course of their first three years would have had plans to create 1,200 jobs. You know, so it goes to the whole point that the indigenous sector, our own startups and our own business community is actually responsible for most of the jobs in the country. I'm not taking away from the foreign direct investment, but local business and our mm. own in. Um, small businesses are where most of the jobs are. And again, it's, some, it's a question you can you can honestly answer. Um, but is, is it understood at the higher echelons of um, government how important the Leo office is? I believe so. I Good. really do. Good. And you can see it, like Keith, if you look, um, when I started back in 2010, there was myself as client facing and two support staff. Now we have a team of eight, of which four specialist business advisors. So I think that is recognised. And if you look at the 6.2 million in terms of investment, cost per job of that is 5,000. Like it's really good value for money for government in terms of supporting local businesses. And you may recall the German film crew that came over a few years ago to look at uh, Lofty's uh, Skylark Stairs in Tume. But they couldn't get over as Germans you know, the amount of support that the government give to small local businesses because they had nothing like it. And their impression was that most of the support was for the larger businesses that, you know, the names like Google, Facebook, all of those big companies, which of course they get support as well. But the majority of our supports are for small startups. And we're funded for those businesses through Enterprise Ireland. We're based in the local authorities. So I think... You know, the local authorities and Enterprise Ireland do recognise the value of work and commitment by the local enterprise offices across the country. Mm. And I think that's that's uh, reflected in the huge number of supports we had to deliver during COVID and during the lockdown because we were well placed to do so. You were, but you had to pivot fairly quickly. Oh, we did, yeah. I mean, I'd say you were the, the most, the busiest section of local government during that period because there were so many demands coming at you. There are, yeah, but then the... But you like that, then. I you, do. I you, do. You, love, you love being smothered in work. I do. I like a, I like a good challenge and, um, you know... You've had a few in your, in, you know, during your career because 
but they, but you like them. I do, yeah. Get through them. Um, and I suppose the whole thing about learning and uh, enjoying what you do is kind of deciding, you know, how you're going to get out of problems. And those are skills then that you know you recognise in the clients that you're dealing mm. with as well. You know, they don't they don't give up easily. You know, I'm old enough to remember it being called the County Enterprise Board. Mm. Yes. You're not Charles. old enough, really. And those Charles and yeah. those Trays and those... But again, they had a very... And I remember Mary Bennett, the wonderful Mary, uh, was chairperson of that board for a while. But again, they were forward thinking. Mm. I mean, Charles and Mary and all of that board. And I remember John Concannon couldn't speak of... Jesse couldn't speak strongly enough of the break that he got. Mm. You know, so it's, it just shows that if, you, if the work is put in and if the person is mentored... There's great success to be had. There is. And, you know, I had huge shoes to fill taking over from Charles and to reflect... He was like, a bigger shoe size. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it like Sorry, that. But, but he had his own, he had his own, uh, you know, aura and success. And uh, I'd like to think that uh, he'd be proud of what I did uh, in terms of developing and modernising uh, you know, like even the digitalization, the lean, all of the new training programs we delivered. Um, and like Mary Bennett, chair of that uh, county and city enterprise board for over 20 years. Yeah. And she's still on the evaluation committee for the Leos. Like she's just a force. Yeah. And John Kincannon actually is, you know, somebody I often tap into in terms of his success. 25 years in business, just celebrated. Mm. Fantastic, you know. And still a humble man. Yeah, very. Well, that's what I love about the, where they come from. By the way, you mentioned Charles. I mean, we we, we lost him what, over two, nearly two years ago now. Uh, year two years half. later on this year, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I got a lovely um, note from Brenda, his wonderful wife, and the memorial card as well. Um, but I mean, he was he was a very unique person, a unique person right across the board. But he had vision, and you had that same vision. I can say it to you, mm. you had that vision for people. I mean, you've had some great successes. We did. I know you call them your chickens, but they, they, the great successes. But you did have some great successions. We were very lucky, I suppose, in Galway because we have such a, a breadth of uh, innovation and people, you know, who, who think differently. And, you know, we've had, as a result, the Galway Leo have had successes, you know, in all the national competitions. We've had category winners for export, new business development, uh, national winners at the National Enterprise mm. Awards as we had winners at national level in the Student Enterprise Programme. Uh, if you think of our young entrepreneurs, we had Brenda McLaughlin, we had Elizabeth from Tiffany Me Medical on a national stage. And like even regionally, we said Paul Caloran, you know, coming through mm. in terms of successes there. So I've been blessed, I suppose, with um, the quality of clients and the fabulous clients we had. And would you be one of the more successful Leo offices? We would tend to be in the top three, yeah. And you? Yeah, definitely. Like if you look at even the TOVs, we, uh, I won't What's say we bet because my uh, trading online voucher, sorry Keith, <laughs> even, if you, even if you look at those and not to suggest that I'm in any way competitive, but we did beat <laughs> Fingal. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be in the top three all yeah, the, all the yeah, way Yeah, generally around. speaking, yeah, which is great, you know. Um, and and is, that, is that measured by job creation, by projects worked, um, projects, by mentoring, by... Yeah, all of the, the key metrics. The yeah, we beat our metrics every year. Uh, so we get targets from Enterprise Ireland and we either mm. hit them or we beat them. And uh, so we're, you know, very lucky to have the team that mm. is in place and just to thank them, I suppose, for... I suppose it's easy for me to be out front and say I 
the great I am, but like behind it is the team and they're just solid. But you never, no more than turns in, you never looked for the glory. No, I wouldn't be comfortable and you wouldn't think it to look at me now, but because uh, my picture seems to be far too common, but uh, I'm not comfortable in that space, no. No, so you I like won't to, miss that bit. You like to step back. Um, wh- what is Breeder Fox going to do now? Well, Breda Fox is going to enjoy life and uh, no more than a lot of people my age and my year, I suppose, I'm working since I was 15. Um, you know, uh, it's early retirement, but, you know, only four or five years early as mm-hmm. such. So, uh, going to enjoy life, um, do a bit of travelling, catch up with family overseas and, and that type of thing. And uh, I'll keep on a few bits, I think, you know, um, keep on the University of Goa, I'm on the governing authority there, I'll keep that on, just to give a bit back there in terms of uh, UCG as I knew it, mm. and uh, we'll see. You could be open to other opportunities. You'd never know. Radio broadcasting. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and you're, I think you're right to do it now. Yeah. You know, if you can afford to do it now. Yeah. If, if I think you're right just to do it now. Yeah, I think these are our years now, you know, um, my husband is is already retired, so like so you we might were as jealous. Well as, I was very jealous, yeah. <laughs> very jealous. He could stay in bed in the morning time, and you had to get up. Yeah, so <laughs> jealousy put you into retirement. Yes, yes. So we'll enjoy life, and um, you know, catch up with his his family or my own family, and we'll see what happens. Mm. Mm. Uh, and again, from you know the broader scope, finally, Brida. Um, I think as a country, what you've said there is we've done very well. And um, if the Leo offices moving forward are supported like they have been, um, we're in a good place for startups. I think we are for startups, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's recognised across Europe that we are, you know. Um, um, well, when you take the likes of the Portrait Shed and Mary Rogers and mm. you take the GTC, GTC and BIA, the new BIA hub, don't the, forget that. Where's, yeah. the, where's the BIA hub? So the oh, BIA Innovator, the food hub in Athenry, yeah, yeah. that's that's going to be transformational in terms of food yeah. development, not only for Galway and the region, but, but nationally. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's the first one. In the it's the first one. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I'm looking forward uh, to it. Very that, excited. Yeah. So I'm hoping they're going to ask me back for that after... A number of years on the board there, uh, so. So you yeah. were there at the beginning with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I got the original funding from EI. Wow. Yeah. And when is that going to open? Uh, it, the own door units, as as we call them, like so, the the independent production units, um, we should be getting those handed over in the next month or so, and um, the final building, the the innovation centre, the centre of excellence building, um, Beaulis as it's called. Uh, probably towards the end of the end of the year or early next year. I know Peter Feeney was heavily involved yes, in that. Yes, he's chair. Yeah, and um, again put a huge amount of effort and Fantastic, work yeah. uh, into it. So when you take that, and then you take the Porter Shed, and then GTC, and then Porter Shed though, mm. and you've Crew Digital as well. Crew Digital, yeah, yeah. We've so many people. We've done very well out of those regional development funds, and I think it's a very exciting time for for the region as a result. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, when you look at the, the, the figures going up and up and up, and then you look at people coming out of college and going into these industries, and I suppose once upon a time we were the medical devices companies, which are very important to us, uh, they they were dominant, but I think startups now are dominant. Mm. Yeah, it's a very exciting time, uh, you know, with all the sports, all the infrastructure that's now in place, 
and the quality of people that are in the place, like the people you mentioned, Elaine, Alton Bia, Mary, Neve, um, Noreen, um, in the GTC. You know, it's superb yeah. time. You really are. And listen, well done to you. Congratulations. Um, I know the clients didn't, some of your clients didn't know you were retiring. So you want to say thank you to them. Absolutely. Um, It was just a pleasure supporting them all of the years. And uh, yeah, that's the big, that's the big pull, I think. And you're so private, you didn't even have a holy year, devil. No, not really, no. (laughs) Just just with the the local team, yeah. So just kept it quiet. Uh, bear with me. I have I a minute? I have one minute. Let me just try this and that. No, I can't do it, unfortunately. Uh, but Kieran Cannon just sent in a lovely uh, text um, saying that he just loved work. I can't bring him up here, unfortunately. Uh, but could I come on and talk about working with Brida? You worked very closely with all the politicians. Didn't I did, you? yes. I did my best to, you know, work with them in terms of what they were doing oh. and always looked after them as best I could uh, within any of the supports that um, we did and you have to think um, it was minister, our local minister that brought in the trading online vouchers um, he was head of communications at the time his name escapes me now, but he was from East Galway, Aris Common area um, Dennis Nocton Yes, Dennis Nocton, yeah. yeah and then you have Sean Kenny who's just been on there as well mm. and all the local councillors like, have huge time and respect for them, for the work they do mm. Listen, you're a good person and it's good to have you in studio today. So um, from the far-flung places, including Renmore and perhaps Connemara, you might send us the odd postcard, would you mind? You never know. Just envious of your travels that you're going on uh, today. Enjoy time with your wonderful husband. Enjoy time with yourself, indeed, and extended family. Uh, But uh, it's been great working with you because I think from day dot, uh, we, we worked together. And I remember the first call I got, I know I'm going to run a bit over, from Charles Lynch, about your appointment mm. and, and his words were look after her <laughs> well you did so, and looked after the client so thank you when, when he said look after you you do it from there listen Brida thank you for joining us uh, today on the program Brida Fox there who has officially retired as the CEO of uh, Leo and we wish her every success now yet to come at the program we're going to demystify what unfolded in the courts yesterday in relation to the Goldie City Ring Road and please don't believe everything that you see on social media on this this morning. We have the definitive answer and uh, we'll give you details on that in just a couple of minutes time as well. Also today, yet to come on the programme, we are going to be going to other issues, including innovation. And a lovely story that has come to us uh, today from Ollie Daniels in the GTC that we spoke about uh, there. We'll be looking at that. Also, Galway Gardaí are seeking your assistance. And we'll also be speaking about an art installation giving voice to women in Galway who experience domestic abuse. And uh, it's going to be moving around the country as well and the county. So we'll be talking to Gillian McNamee on that. So it's a, it's a lovely story. And that's coming up just after 11 o'clock on today's programme. And then finally, we'll be lucky in speaking about music. So we will with the wonderful uh, Finbar Wright, who joins us uh, today. He's coming to Galway uh, and uh, he joins us and we'll have some tickets to give away for that uh, during his visit to Galway. Now that let's head to the Galway BFM News Desk and join uh, the news team for the 10 o'clock news. Talk to you just after these. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Oh, 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 oh,